Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Jesus is good. All right. We're going to talk about the truth will make you free. Praise God. So begin uh, today. We're going to start in John chapter 8, verse 30 through verse 32. And in John chapter 8, verse 30, as Jesus spoke these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we're going to be talking today about how believing, continuing in, knowing the truth leads you to walking in true freedom. Amen? And God wants every believer to walk in true freedom, but that's a process and not every believer gets there. So we're going to talk about a little bit about how that happens. Now, the first thing is you've got to believe it. If you don't believe it, you won't receive it. Amen? So you've got to believe the truth. As Jesus spoke these words, many believed on him. So my first question is, what is truth? See, the world would tell you that truth is relative. The wor world would tell you that truth is subjectional. Right? I have a question for you. Does one plus one always equal two? One plus one always equals two. What if you change the value of zero? If you change the value, one plus one doesn't always equal two. But see, that's what the world is trying to do. I personally believe that one plus one always equals two. But the world is trying to change the value. So what is the truth? First of all, Jesus is the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Right? Jesus is the truth. I love the verse that Barbara shared today in John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, the Scripture says, As you have been taught, the truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Secondly, not only is Jesus the truth, but the Word of God is the truth. Turn with me to John chapter uh, 17, and let's look in John chapter 17. We'll begin reading in verse 14. Now in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. And he told them about their authority. He told them about the power of the Holy Spirit primarily. But then in John chapter 17, he begins to pray. And he prays first of all for himself. He prays secondly for his disciples. And then thirdly, he prays for those who would believe on him through the word of the disciples. And in John chapter 17, verse 14, 
He begins by saying this, I have given them thy word. Speaking of those of us who have believed on Jesus through the word of the disciples. I have given them your word and the world hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. How many of you ever figured out when you start believing the word of God and when you start boldly speaking the word of God, not everybody is going to love you for believing the word and for boldly proclaiming the truth of God's word. In fact, Jesus said the world hated them. That's a strong word. Because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. He goes on in verse 15 and said, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil. In other words, there's this temptation once you start believing on Jesus, once you really start believing on the word, there's this temptation just to go hide in a hole somewhere, right? Live out in the wilderness and be by yourself. Try to be non-contaminated to be a monk somewhere, right, by the world. But Jesus did not pray this for his disciples, nor did he pray this for those who would believe on him, believers who would believe on him through the word of the disciples, He's, he's saying quite the opposite. I'm praying for them that you would keep them from the evil. So how does Jesus keep us from the evil that's in the world? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He says in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he tells us what the truth is. Thy word is truth. Set them apart through thy truth. The way that we're set apart from the world, the way that we're different from the world is through the truth of God's word. And he says, thy word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so I've sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified through thy truth. Jesus said, I'm setting myself apart. I'm sanctified, but I'm doing this so that they also might be sanctified through thy truth. The word of God will separate you from the world. But we live, we live in a world where they say, you know, everybody wants to have their own idea of what the truth is. But Jesus tells us plainly, I am the truth. And then he tells us, secondly, the word is the truth. So we have one value for the truth. And I don't care what the world says is right and wrong. What I care is what God says is right and wrong. Because I'm going to stand before God in eternity not based on what the world says. I'm going to stand before God in eternity based on what the Word of God says. And if you'll turn with me really quickly to Isaiah chapter 5, Jesus or Isaiah describes somewhat I believe the day that we live in, Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 20 through verse 24. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. We'll read through verse 24. He says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 
In other words, they say that truth is relative and it's whatever you think is truth is truth. Now, whatever you think is truth doesn't make it truth. What God said is the truth is the truth. And God said, Jesus said, thy word is truth and he is the truth. So he says, Woe to those who are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward. In other words, what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. And take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. He says, therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will go up as dust because they've cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. They've thrown away the word. They've thrown away the values of the word. For instance, I believe what made America great, I believe what, what made America great in the first place is America was founded on principles of the word of God. America was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic. Our nation, and, and even when you go to like, for instance, we went to Princeton University because our son went to Princeton University. And they have these things engraven in stone and they're talking about verity and the truth of the scripture. The verity and the truth of the word of God. <coughs> but if you go to Washington, D.C., you cannot get away from the Christian heritage of our nation. But what's been done is people are trying to tear that down and they're trying to make a new foundation, right? They're trying to make a lie, the truth. But he's, no, the truth is always the truth. The word is always the truth. And I believe that's what made America great. But people are trying to get away from the truths of the word of God. But the word of God is still the word of God and the word of God is still the truth and Jesus is still the truth. That's just the way it is. And so he says, they're, they're going to be, you know, as their root is rottenness, as their blossom will go up as the dust because they've cast away the law, they've cast away the word of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. So the first thing is, if you're going to be walking in freedom, if you're going to be walking in true liberty, the liberty of the gospel, you've got to believe the truth. And Jesus is the truth. And secondly, the word of God is the truth. But not only do you need to believe the truth, you need to continue in the truth so that you come to know the truth. Because guess what? When you believe on Jesus, doesn't mean you know all the truth. You've got to continue to grow in the revelation of the truth. And so he, he, said, he goes on after that and says in verse 31, if you continue in my word, you're going to be my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. So if you continue in the truth, you're going to come to know. That, that word know, if you study it out, means to come to know the truth. So we're growing in our revelation of who Jesus is, number one, and we're also growing in our revelation as disciples of the Word of God. They didn't just believe one day and right? You've got to continue to grow in your understanding of who Christ is, and you have to continue to grow in your knowledge of the Word. Right? In fact, Jesus talked about this 
in Mark chapter 4. And he said in Mark chapter 4 that everything in the kingdom operates according to the parable of the sower. So he said, if you can understand the parable of the sower, you can understand how the kingdom operates. And he talks about it not only in Mark chapter 4, he talks about it also in Luke chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 13. So turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 13. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. He says, don't you know this parable, and then you will know all parables. In other words, if you can understand the simple principles of the parable of the sower, then you can understand all parables. You can understand the teaching of Jesus. He goes on and begins to explain the parable that he just gave. He said, the sower sows the word. Now, the one thing that is consistent in this parable is the word of God. The word of God is always consistent. The seed is consistent. The seed is incorruptible. The seed is unchangeable. In fact, when you begin to study the Bible, you find that we have the unchangeable word of an unchangeable God. Not only is the word unchangeable, but God is unchangeable. Praise God. And so we, have, we, we believe the word and we believe God because God is unchanging. God says, this is who I am and I don't change. Amen. I am the Lord. He says this in Malachi 3, verse 6. In fact, the Old Testament's a progressive revelation of who he is. And then in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I am the Lord and I change not. In other words, who he is doesn't change. You may change, people may change, things in the world may change, but God never changes. His word never changes. So we have the incorruptible seed, right? We have the unchangeable word of an unchangeable God. The sower sows the word. And the word is always consistent. The word will always produce a harvest like itself if it's allowed to grow, if it's allowed to take root in your heart. But what we have in this parable that's inconsistent or changeable is the condition of the soil or the condition of the heart, the condition of the ground. He says, these are those who are sown by the wayside. The farmer was on his way to the field, and as he was on his way to the field, some seed fell out of the bag, right? Some seed fell out of his drill. That's something we plant with on the farm, a drill. I'd like to get a drill and drill some of this grass out here, okay? Now, we planted between the sidewalk and the road, but you can't believe how much that costs me. And we're watering it every day. Right? We're doing this little strip, praise God. And then we're going to try to get some more growing on the back hill, and we're going to get some more growing back here. But it's, you know, it's a challenging thing sometimes. But anyway, while he was on the way to the field, some seed fell out of the bag. And notice what he says. Some seed fell out of the planter. He says... These are those who are sown by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their heart. How many of you ever noticed all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you didn't really believe in divine healing, but all of a sudden you hear the word and you begin to understand that by Jesus' stripes 
you were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. You begin to understand that he sent his word and healed them. Psalm 107, verse 20. You begin to understand Psalm 103, verse 3. He forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases. But immediately when you begin to believe the word, it seems like all this difficulty, all these problems, all these challenges come to you. Why didn't it come before? Hebrews 10 gives us a clue. It says that, that it says, I have to just turn over there really quickly to Hebrews 10. Just, just read it to you. It says, immediately after you were illuminated in the end of Hebrews 10, you, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Why? Because the enemy, Satan, is the enemy of the word. Because if you're not believing the word, if you're not believing the promises, right? You're not much of a threat to his kingdom. You start believing in financial prosperity, that, that God performs his promises, that all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. You start believing that my God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory. And all of a sudden, it seems like you have all these different difficulties that come to you once you start believing the Word. Why? Because Satan is an enemy of the Word. And he knows that if you start believing the Word and the Word takes root in your heart, right, the Word is going to produce a harvest that's going to bring glory to the Father and you're going to do damage to His kingdom. Yes. So immediately after the word is sown in your heart, you endure, a, immediately after you are illuminated, the entrance of the word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. All of a sudden you endure a great fight of afflictions because he wants to stop the word before the word, right? If you throw seed on this concrete floor, it's not going to produce much. Right, the word, it, you know, he, he, know, he knows that that word gets in your heart and it starts producing, it's going to do damage to his kingdom. You're a danger. But as long as you're not believing nothing, as long as you're just kind of happy-go-lucky, everything will be all right, you're, you're not really a danger to his kingdom. But you start believing the word and you become a danger. You become a threat. So the first kind of soil is the wayside soil. I'm on the way to throw some seed out here, Right? I'm on the way to deliver it to the earth, right? To fertilize it. To take, and, and some falls out on the pavement and the birds come and eat it. In fact, I saw a goose out there this morning because we sowed some seed there last year. And they, I see them out there. But we covered up with nice deep manure this, this year. So not too deep because grass seed can't be buried. <laughs> but, but we're trying to keep the geese from eating the seed and give the seed some fertilizer, some help. Amen. Hallelujah, because we want it to grow. But any farmer can understand this, so I can understand this, all right? Now, he talks about the second type of soil. He says, it takes away the word that was sown in their heart. The heart is what's conditional. The, the heart is what's changeable. The heart is, is, is the variable. Now, he says in verse 16, Mark 4, verse 16, these are those who are sown on the stony ground who when they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, so endure for a time. But afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Do you know people get offended for the word's sake? 
people get offended for the truth's sake. In fact, God gave me another message on offense. I almost preached it today. I got up last night and I prepared it. Praise God. I decided I would save it for another time. It's really talking about judgment. But see, a lot of times people are offended because they're making judgments about things that they don't even know the truth about. And they're not even in a place. That's why Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. That's, that's why the scripture said, you know, we're to discern the fruit. But sometimes people are judging things they have no business judging. It's none of their business. They don't even really know the truth about the subject. And they're offended for somebody else when they really don't even know what went down. So immediately they're offended, okay? Now, as we look at this, he says, these have no root in themselves. So I grew up in southeast Colorado. I grew up in May Valley. It's about 10 miles north of Lamar, Colorado. Just under my grandparents' farm was just under the Fort Lyon Canal. The Fort Lyon Canal is the largest canal in the state of Colorado. Where I grew up, it's high desert, right? It's not that high, but it's 30, Lamar is 3,600 feet of elevation. But we've, in Lamar, Colorado, we've got good, deep, thick clay soil. And, and you know what? We can, if you've got a good field of alfalfa, you, you can grow six or eight ton of alfalfa per acre per year. I mean, it is good soil. Those roots will go down deep, and it'll make a beautiful harvest, right? In fact, we grew wheat, and we grew irrigated wheat. We grew winter wheat. We grew dry land wheat. And on the irrigated soil, Right, we, we, would, we would plow it up, we'd get it ready in the spring, we would irrigate it, we'd get it all ready, we'd plant it in the fall, irrigate it up, and then, you know, sometimes we wouldn't even plow it until the middle of summer, but we'd, we'd work it down, get it sown, and irrigate it, seed would come up, looks like little grass all, all winter, right? And, and on the dry land, we, we'd, we'd farm it all year and keep it, keep the weeds out of it, Right? And, and then it'll come up, and if you get moisture in the spring on the dry land, if you, if you get it up in the fall, got moisture in the fall to get the seed up, get moisture in the spring, you'll have a decent harvest. But on the irrigated, we'd, we'd get 100 fold, like almost every year. We'd plant one bushel, get 100 bushel wheat nearly every year because we could control the condition of the soil, right? Now on the dry land, we didn't have as much control. We had some control, but not as much control. But... but I grew up out there, and we had these hay fields, and we'd stack the hay up in the summer and then grind it, sell it to the grinders in the winter. But once in a while, in the spring, we'd go plant one of these spots because there'd be a spot out there that these haystacks would kill out, and we'd plant some watermelons in there. And we'd go, you know, we'd plant them in April, and we'd be irrigating out there, and this, you know, we'd be, and then in July, you know, we'd be out, and we'd still be irrigating. We'd irrigate and irrigate and irrigate and irrigate and irrigate. It's a lot of hard work. <laughs> <laughs> but in July, we go out early in the morning. In the end of July, we get these big watermen, take one, throw it in the irrigating ditch. You got this cold flood water coming in, right? And you go out there in the afternoon, pull it out of the ditch, bust it open, eat the heart right out of it. Oh, it's so good. 110 degrees, boiling hot, humidity coming off the water, break open a knife, cold watermelon. <laughs> oh, it was fun. Hallelujah. And we could just grow it. 
right? We grew a garden every year. We grew, I love crookneck squash. You know squash will grow anywhere. I mean, they're like weeds. You can't get rid of them. I mean, they just come up. I just see one, just dig a ditch around it, water it. And I love these little yellow squash, you know, crookneck squash. <laughs> summer, I call them summer squash. So we grow those. And so, you know, grew up there, moved to Colorado Springs, 2001, moved into the southwest side of the city. Nice, decomposed granite yard. I'm thinking squash will grow anywhere. I'm going to grow me some summer squash. I can see it. I cut it up thin, right, put it in a pot, boil it for nine minutes, pour the water off, put a little salt in there while I'm boiling it, put on some butter, stir it up, put on a little salt and pepper. Man, I can eat it. Ooh, Jesus, that is good. I can, I can taste it right now. So, so I, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to grow me some summer squash. These things grow like weeds. I can, I can make them grow. And I go out there in my decomposed granite front yard with all my scrub oak. We got one little place to park a car. The sun comes through good in the afternoon. I'm thinking, this is great. It's all there about all day. It's on the north side of a, you know, little car park. I'm thinking. So I dig me a little ditch. I plant me some yellow squash, some summer squash seed. I put the water and grows these big, long, pretty vines, big, you know, flowers, yellow flowers, this big blossoms, and it grows squash. They're about an inch long and a quarter inch in diameter. I mean, they won't grow nothing. What's the problem? It's stony soil. It has no root system. Jesus said, this is like some Christian. They hear the word. They hear what God wants to bless you. They hear that God wants to help you. They hear that God wants to prosper you. And they're so excited about the word. But then Joe Blow, Christian from down the road, comes and says, you know, that prosperity stuff doesn't work. You know that healing. My Aunt Sally, she believed that she died. Right? You know that word really doesn't work, right? And, and so they start sowing down. And when persecution and affliction comes for the word's sake, immediately they're I've seen people like that, right? I had some people come over from other churches because we're believing and preaching the gospel. We're preaching the full gospel. We believe all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God. By so we're preaching that, and they come over, and they're doing good. And then somebody from their old XYZ church, God, we love them all. Man, they're saved. They're on their way to heaven. They believe Jesus, right? But somebody said, you know, they teach that healing stuff over there. So they come at Pastor, what, what do you believe about that healing? I said, well, tell me what you believe about healing. Do you believe, A, God doesn't heal anymore? Hallelujah. We got people here in this room right now, they know that God heals today. So if one person is healed, we know that's a lie. So most people don't believe that because most people, if they've been around for very long in the church, they've seen at least one miracle. In fact, I got a good friend, Aaron, went to, went to school with his son. They go to another church in town. He told me one time, he said, Pastor, they've heard about the miracles that God's done. They've heard about the people that God's healed of AIDS, that God, they, they got out of hospice and came to church. And listen, we had one woman, she was gray as this carpet. She was a white woman, but she looked as gray as this carpet. And she came to church when we had Billy Burke here and she, she got out of hospice to come to church and Jesus Christ healed her. And she said, I'm healed. She looked just as gray as this carpet. She came back next week. She looked pretty gray. She said, I'm healed. She came back the next week. She started having a little pink. 
I'm healed. About a month later, she come back to church. I'm healed. Just pink as I am. Praise God. Healed as she could be. Why? Because the word was working in her heart. They heard about the woman that fell over in service and had a heart attack. And I went back and prayed for her and God healed her. Glory to God. They hauled her off in the ambulance and they checked her out. And they said, sure enough, she had a heart attack. But she's healed. She was on various drugs for other things. But she's healed all she not only got healed of heart attack, she got healed of the, They've heard about some miracles that God's done in this place. And they, wow, that's amazing. He said, you know the difference in our church and yours? He got saved. He's a genius, right? He went to Stanford University. He, he, he developed a smart bomb right out of college, made $2 million from the U.S. government and started. He said the difference between our church is we pray for people. We've been praying for people for 30 years. We've seen one person healed. And your church, he said, you believe everybody's going to be healed. And then you're very disappointed if one isn't. He said, that's a difference in our, it's pretty, pretty accurate description <laughs> of what's happened. Amen. But he's a smart man. He can tell when miracles are miracles. So, you know, I mean, so some people say, sometimes God heals, sometimes God, you don't ever know about God. But other people say, it's always God's will to heal. Jesus paid for everybody's healing at the cross. At the same time Jesus took our sin, he took our sickness. That's Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. That's Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and verse 17. That's Psalm 103, verse 3. That's James chapter 5, verse 14. That's the Bible. So you're going to believe A, God doesn't heal anymore. You're going to believe B, sometimes God does, sometimes he does. Or you're going to believe C. I ask him, you tell me. You're doubting friends. You're doubting believers. Friends are trying to get you to doubt. So you tell me what you believe. It's always God's will to heal. Sometimes people receive it. Sometimes they don't. Because the variable is not God. The variable is not the seed. The variable is not the promise. The variable is the condition of our heart. And these went persecution and affliction. And listen, if you want to get persecuted for the word's sake, preach divine healing. They'll persecute you. If you want to get persecuted even more for the word's sake, preach prosperity. Live in prosperity because the devil does not want you to prosper. I've had people get mad at this church because we're a prosperous church. I've had people get mad at me because I'm a prosperous person. But I'm going to keep believing because it's working. And I'm going to believe it because God said it. I believe it for... So you have to believe it before you receive it. But are you continuing the word? Then the third type of soil, the first type of what? The, the, the wayside soil. The devil gets a, the word for it, ever gets to the heart. The, the second is the stony soil. It comes up, it looks pretty. Look at pretty, Pastor. Smiling big till somebody comes and rocks your world with a bunch of doubt and unbelief. Right? And, and then the third type of soil is the weedy soil. See, what we would do when we farm our dry land, Right? And listen, when I was 13, I was a little skinny, scrawny kid. But when I was 13 years old, I was big enough to reach the brake pedal on the tractor. And my, dad, my granddad had a 30-20 John Deere. No cab. 80 horsepower. 
right? We had a 15-foot cross one way. It runs at an angle, right? A bunch of discs, plows the soil. We would plow on the dry land. We would plow the soil. We would one way at least four times a year. You know why we did that? To get rid of the weeds. Because you've got to preserve the moisture for the seed. And your heart only has so much moisture. And there are things that will com come and compete in your heart for the life of the seed. And your heart's going to grow seed. You're, you have a harvest, whether you like it or don't. You have a harvest, and what you've been believing, you've been receiving. But Jesus says, look at this, Mark chapter 4, look at this. In verse 18 and verse 19, these are those who are sown among the weeds. They hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Right, there are things that come to choke the word, and it will become unfruitful. But look at verse 20. I love verse 20. And these are those which are sown on good ground. Everybody say, I am good ground. I'm good ground. Now, this is a process that we go through sometimes, right? If you continue in my word, you will come to know the truth. And the truth will make you free if you continue in my word. But not everybody continues. Some people don't even get started, right? The devil gets the word before it even gets in their hearts, stony soil. Other people start out and they're doing well. They're running good. But some non-believing believer comes and persecutes them for the word's sake. Some of them go a little bit farther. Right? And, and the word is sown in their heart. But then, listen, if the devil can't get you bad, he wants you busy. Right? And, the, and these other things come in. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world, and less other things. Choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are sown on good ground. Verse 20. Such as hear the word. You got to hear it. Have you really heard it? You got to hear it at a heart level and receive it. you got to receive the Word of God. See, James talks about this. He talks about how this process works. James chapter 1, verse 18 says, We're of His own will, of His own Word, He begat us with the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of His creation. See, the Word has the power to produce first fruit in everybody. God has no second-class citizen. It'll work the same for everybody everywhere. That's how the seed is. It works the same if you believe it, but you've got to receive it first. So you're born of the Word. Then it says in verse 21, receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your soul. So I made a decision long time ago. If the Bible says it, if God promises it, I believe it. Whatever the Scripture says, that's the truth. I don't care what A, B, C, I don't care what anybody, if the Bible says it, I believe what the Word says. I'm going the Word way. So I believe the Word. Now, when we think about this, we believe the Word. He says, they receive with Word. They receive it. So receive with me. Sometimes you're going this direction, all of a sudden the Word comes, boom, it's boom. 
And you realize, man, if I'm going to go the Word's way, I'm going to have to turn around. I'm going to have to repent. I'm going to have to think differently. I've been thinking this, but God said that, so I've got to go this direction. So receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your soul. James 1.21. Because not only did your spirit, you're born again in your spirit by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Not only did your spirit need saving, your soul needs saving. And what really, you need some brain washing. Your brain needs to be washed in the water of the Word. But the problem with the world, many times they're getting brainwashed with what the world says instead of what God's Word says, and that will not produce a harvest of good in God's kingdom. So it says they receive the word. They, they hear the word. They receive the word. And they bring forth fruit. The fact is you're having a harvest. And you're having a harvest of what you've been believing. What you've been believing for a long time. It's coming to pass. And if you're not liking what you're receiving, you've got to change what you're believing. Right? Because the devil's the enemy of the word. Religion will hinder the word. All these cares, all these different things that come to choke the Word, but the Word is still working. And he goes on and he says this, actually in James chapter 1, verse 24, he says, whoever looks into the, a person looking in the Word is like a person looking in a mirror and he straightway forget. You can look in the mirror of the world or you can look in the mirror of the Word. You got to choose which one you're going to believe. But he says in verse 25, whoever looks into, the, and he calls the new covenant, the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law of freedom. And continues therein. And continues therein. Listen, I've been continuing in something for a long time. 45 years. I've been believing the promises. I've been born again for 51 years. I've been believing in the goodness of God for 45 years. I've been believing that God wants to heal me for 45 years. I've been believing that it's God's will that I would prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers for 45 years. I've been believing that he delights in the prosperity of his servant for 45 years. I've been believing that my God supplies all my needs according to heaven's riches and glory for 45 years. I've been believing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and I've been speaking in tongues for 45 years. I've been believing in the gift of faith and the working of miracles and the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits and prophecy for 45 years. And guess what? It's working. So don't tell me it don't work. Hallelujah. Don't tell me. Listen, I've lost a few battles along the way, but I'm winning the war. And I'm going to keep believing. My heart, ever say, my heart is good ground. I receive the word. I bring forth fruit. Psalm 30, 
Some 60. Some 100 fold. You know what 100 fold is? 100 fold is walking in 100% of what God had planned for you. But you know what? There's a lot of people don't even get to 30 fold. And people think it's all up to God. It's not all up to God. It's not automatic. 30 folds good. 60 folds good. 100 fold baby, I love a 100 fold return. I love it. But not everybody gets there. So I'm going to keep believing. Whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues there in James 1.25, this person shall be blessed in his deed. If you could believe that there's a day that your fruit will scream that God is true, that the promises are for today, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You got to continue in the Word. If you continue in the Word, you'll be my disciples indeed, disciplined students of the Word, and you'll know, you'll come to know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You got to believe the Word, continue in the Word, Till you know it. You know it and you know it in your knower. Not just up here in your brain. Till you know it in your spirit. Till, till hope becomes faith. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, you start seeing it. Wow, Jesus, that's amazing. That's amazing, Jesus. That's amazing. Wow. 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 Whoo, Jesus, that's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so good to me. See, but you don't ever completely arrive in this believing thing. You got to keep believing. See, whether you realize it or not, Pastor Lawson is believing God for more than he's ever believed him for before. Because the Bible says, ask and keep on asking. And seek and keep on seeking, Matthew 7, and knock and keep on. What it really means is ask, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, everyone who knocks the door will be open. What it means is ask and receive and keep asking and seek and find and keep finding and knock and the door will be open and keep knocking because there are more doors. <laughs> So you keep asking. And I, I listen, I, I just might as well ask big. Because it's expensive to think little. Amen. So I keep asking. And I keep receiving. And I keep asking. And I keep seeking. You say, Pastor, you're greedy. I love the promises. Let us therefore fear lest the promise of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. I keep knocking. Doors keep being open. Amen. Amen. So keep believing. Don't quit believing. Amen. You could stop anywhere along the road. You can let the devil steal the word out of your heart before it ever took straight. You can let some persecuting, unbelieving believer come attack you for the word. Right? You can let the cares, the riches, the deceitfulness 
of riches, the lust of other things, choke the word. Or you can be good ground. And I just say, I'm good ground. I'm good ground. But the last thing is, when you do that, you know, you'll walk in it. And Colossians says it this way, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted, built up, verse 7, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. When you get rooted, built up, established in the faith, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to thank God. Number two, you're going to operate in joy. Right? And then he says this, beware, Colossians 2 verse 8, lest any man spoil you, lest any man cheat you, lest any man rob from you, take from you that which is rightfully yours through philosophy. Right? He says that, verse 8, through philosophy. You got that scripture up there? Colossians 2 verse 8. Through philosophy. Through, what, what's the next one? Vain deceit, through empty deceit. See, through empty deceit, through the rudiments, what the basic principles of this world, and not after Christ. See, because the devil's trying to rob you, cheat you, steal from you, take from you that which is rightfully yours. Amen? Matthew 7, Jesus said it this way. There's a wise man, there's a foolish man. Verse 24 to verse 29, you can read it on your own. But he says, the wise man took his time and he, he dug deep and he built his house on a rock and the storm came and the winds blew and the floods came and the house stood strong. It was built on the rock. The foolish man built his house on the stem and the wind came, the storm came, the floods came and knocked that house and it fell flat. What's the difference between the wise man and the foolish man? There's only one difference in the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man heard it and did it. He that hears these sayings of mine and does them. The foolish man heard it, but he didn't do anything with it. Amen? So what you do with the word determines what the word will do with you. And if you believe the truth, continue in the truth, know the truth, the truth will lead you to walking in freedom. John says this, second John and third John, I have no greater joy than my children walk in the truth. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.